Hello and welcome to the Eagles Landing Equip podcast. Equip exists to give you the tools you need to display the gospel intentionally every day as a disciple of Jesus. My name is Zach and I'm with Matt McKinney, Eagles Landing's pastor of Connections. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Zach. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I've been thinking about ways to start off the podcast uh, with our pastors, and uh, I was thinking about an icebreaker question. Um, what's currently something you're reading now? What's on your bookshelf? Yeah, um, I'm working my way back through Renovation of the Heart by Dallas Willard. Um, it's one of my favorites. I read it before. I try to read it uh, once every couple years, but uh, it's just a real look at the heart right this is this is really the control center of the human being and so willard's talking about how to renovate our hearts from the inside so that we would ultimately become people who love and live like jesus would automatically mm. right from like our intentions and our motives mm. would become like jesus's so renovation of the heart is what i'm reading through and then it has a companion piece called renovation of the heart in daily practice that goes over, I think, like 61 different um, practices you could try in your daily lives to ultimately see your heart reshaped like that of Christ by the work of the Spirit, but, right. but utilizing the disciplines of grace. So right. so that for those people who aren't familiar with Dallas Willard, what's kind of his main thing? Spiritual formation. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. is... Uh, mm-hmm. And the renovation of the heart is kind of like the classic mm-hmm. from him. Yeah. But he's got a, a lot of great stuff that deals with, once again, um, learning to be disciples of Jesus from the inside. Mm-hmm. So, That's yeah, awesome. I love him. Awesome. Sweet. Well, I'm excited to talk with you today, continue our conversation about the equip class that you taught last round called Countercultural Formation, Learning to Fully Follow Jesus. And as I've been processing, you know, our previous conversations that we've had and um, uh, about this idea of, of this countercultural formation. The, the verse uh, from Proverbs 12, uh, 14, 12, that says, there's a way that seems right to man, but its end is death, hmm. has been like reverberating in my mind that there's a way um, that seems right to, to me, and um, it could be the wrong way. Um, but Jesus walks in and in the the gospels and says i am the way yeah and the way that he describes is completely countercultural or upside down from what we might think and so uh, today i'm excited about talking about the the cultural value of individualism something we're all steeped in in american culture Um, and if you take one foot out of america and step into a bunch of different other countries, it's obvious how individualistic we are. Um, But we're taking this idea of individualism and putting it up against um, what Jesus would say is the value of community. Um, So tell us a little bit about this this, um, process or this this idea. Yeah, you've done a good job already. You're right, um, going in the right direction. Uh, We live in this society that once again is discipling us, I think that's a really important thing right there, just to be mindful of. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our culture, our American culture, is shaping us, uh, shaping the way we think, shaping the way uh, we spend our money, shaping what we value. And so we've, we've got to be aware of that. It's not always bad. I'm not, I, don't, I don't want to say that it's, it's always just terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is doing something, and we need to make sure as disciples of Jesus we know how to navigate it well. 
but in this in this particular topic, yeah, we we live in a, a culture I would argue is very individualistic. It's very much um, be you, uh, do what makes you happy, uh, even if it hurts other people. Like who cares about them? Just be you, right? Yeah. yeah. And um, to really not really care about uh, other people, and um, and Jesus certainly is teaching us an entirely different way of living, uh, one that's very much communal, mm-hmm. uh, very much built around being a family. Um, one of my favorite books on this topic is uh, "When the Church Was a Family" by Joseph Hellerman, and uh, he it, it's that's a great book just to go read. And to think about, because Hellerman will bring out quite a bit how um, Jesus, he uses this term that Jesus is making a surrogate family, and uh, how he's teaching his disciples to not just be concerned about themselves, but to be concerned about one another, to learn how to live in a manner where the decisions we make are not about what's best for me, but what's best for us, Mm. right? And to think through that. As a, as a family of his followers, yeah. and so um, yeah, Jesus is going to teach us to to be concerned about the church or his disciples, his family, his community, and uh, and not just to be you know what I want, but what's yeah. best for for us as mm-hmm. a as a group. Man, I think about um, as you're talking, I'm thinking about, and I'll I'll put the link to that book you by Hellerman in the church in the show notes if anybody's interested in that. Um, but I'm thinking about the the whole Bible, um, and it, you, you think about the the books of the Old Testament, and you think about the books in the New Testament. Most of the time, whoever's writing those books is writing to a group of people. Uh, yeah. There are very few instances. There are some in the in the um, New Testament where they're addressing one person, but most of them they're addressing the church. Think about all the letters of Paul. He's writing to churches. He's not writing to. Um, mainly individual Christians, um, right. that the, this, the way of Jesus um, is for the followers of Jesus, not just for me, Yeah, me and mine. And even from a biblical perspective, like salvation, when we think about it, is far more communal. Mm. Uh, God is redeeming a people for mm-hmm. himself. Yeah. And so we have a tendency to think about my personal yeah. salvation. Yeah. Whereas the scripture is more uh, thinking in terms of, of our salvation, right. the redemption of a people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And we think about it, my mind's just turning, and even the ways that we evangelize, we, we use things like, where are you going when, you're, when, you, when you die? You know, do you know where you're going? It's, it's even such an, an individual, individualistic approach to, to sharing the gospel. So there is that individual element of it. But we're we're being saved into a community of right. followers of Jesus. Yeah, and, and and even there, like like I say, we're 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 not saying this is necessarily bad, mm-hmm. right? It's okay for me to personally be concerned about my walk with Jesus. Yeah, right. That, that's that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Like, and so and even when I pray, I am going to pray specifically about me in certain places, right? I think the goal is to is to maintain a, a healthy balance, though, to say, I am going to pray for myself and my walk, mm-hmm. but not that that's not the end of it. Yeah. I want to see it extended outward, mm-hmm. and honestly, to so even in, in that regard, like I want to be a healthy follower of Jesus, so that I can participate in a healthy manner within the community, mm-hmm. right? So even even my own personal sanctification. 
is is hopefully going to work for the good of those around me, mm. right? Yeah. So it it is very much like we are thinking about ourselves. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we're not cutting it off there. Mm-hmm. We're extending this outward into the community so that we're learning to pray. Once again, getting into even the text that we looked at in the class, when Jesus teaches his people to pray, and we think about the Lord's Prayer, mm-hmm. he's going to say, Our Father. Mm. He's not going to say, My Father. He's right. going to say, When you pray, pray this, Our Father in heaven. Yeah. Uh, give us our daily bread, not yeah. me, my daily bread. Yeah. And so even the way Jesus is teaching us to pray is to pray in a manner that is thinking in terms of the community, yeah. right? And I think uh, particularly what's in, in, the, in the local church, uh, what, what gets emphasized quite a bit is a lot of stuff about your, your personal relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and, that's, and once again, like, that, that's not a bad thing, mm-hmm. but it leads us into becoming people who, when we pray, particularly when we're praying on our own, mm-hmm. to really just pray about me. Yeah. And I want to, as a disciple of Jesus, uh, begin to pray in a manner, even when I'm by myself, mm-hmm. that's having care and concern for the for the church, yeah. right? And so, uh, learning how to pray, our Father in heaven, learning how to pray, give us our daily bread, um, trying to make sure that I am concerned for the spiritual well-being of all of Jesus's people. And not just myself. It's a group project, right? Christianity, mm, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's a team sport, you mm-hmm. can say, right? Yeah. So that's a good thing. Yeah. So let's dive into that passage. Let's look at it. You know, when Jesus was teaching it, he was meaning for it to be an example, a model that we should follow, not necessarily the exact words and phrases that we should use, um, but just the, the idea, the concept. This is how you pray. And he teaches us that we are to pray in community. He really integrates this idea of his church and his community in this. So I'm going to read it, and uh, Matt, you can pull out anything that you'd like to pull out. Sure. Jesus says in uh, Matthew 6, verse 7, actually, let's start in verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. When you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard by many words. Um, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I love how you pointed out, like, the the pronouns used there are, are plural. Yeah. It's our Father in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us, not just forgive me. Right. Yeah, it's, it's very much uh, being concerned about the community, the people mm-hmm. of God, and not just me personally, but, but us. Yeah, it, he, as I was reading that, he, he does address the individual. He says, when you pray, go into your room, but what's the content of your prayer? Yeah. The content is concerned about, about the church as a whole, yeah. not, not just about me and mine. 
And man, I'd say I'm really thankful that you started it in verse five, because that that's great. Because um, Jesus is also teaching us um, some of the backside of this, right? Some of the front end, mm-hmm. like uh, you know. So there's a, there's a real sense of humility in verses five and six. Uh, don't just stand out and make your prayers great so everybody can say, "Wow, what a mm-hmm. great person of prayer." But rather, uh, be willing to to go into the the quiet places and to pray uh, to your Father. And then this this whole concept in verses seven and eight, the way I've always understood this, when he talks about you know the the Gentiles are heaping up these phrases, uh, the way I've always understood it is that they were praying. Um, their, their confidence was, if I say it enough, then I'll, you know, make God, God will be motivated to answer my prayer. So if I say it enough, I just say the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Eventually, God will get annoyed enough that he'll do it. Mm-hmm. And um, that, I, that, man, what a, what a beautiful word from Jesus in verse 8, where he says, um, your, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Mm-hmm. I mean... Like, I think there is this weight that we feel when it comes to prayer that uh, we've got to make sure we say everything or else, you know, he's not going to answer the prayer or whatever it is. And this is so liberating from Jesus uh, before we even pray to know your father knows what you need. He's a good father. He is aware of your needs. And, um, and he loves to just commune with his kids. Yeah. And so this is prayer then is not... Um, this this kind of event that we have to jump through the hoops, mm-hmm. but we can just come and be earnest and be honest with him, yeah. and be simple in it. It's it's perfectly fine to have simple prayers, mm-hmm. and that's a good thing for the church to hear today. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And then he teaches how to pray, and uh, and he shows us, you know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, and and what mm-hmm. what's really of, of great importance. Mm-hmm. I've always looked at this text. Um, Many people in the church are familiar with, later in Matthew in 22, uh, Jesus is going to be asked, what's the greatest commandment, right? And Jesus comes back and he says, uh, love God and love your neighbor, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. And that the model prayer is, is built on that, uh, this, this first component being love of God. Mm-hmm. So wanting to see his name honored yeah. or set apart by all people in all nations, right? Mm-hmm. So let your name be honored. Let your name be hallowed among the nations. Uh, let your kingdom come, right? We want to see the rule of God extended throughout earth, right? On earth as in heaven, yeah. right? Which, once again, is like what the story is about, right? right? Heaven mm-hmm. coming down on earth. Mm-hmm. And uh, so having your kingdom come and seeing your will be done, right? This is all built on our love of God, right? Love of God. And then... We see love for neighbor, and when he starts saying, "Hey, give us, give us our daily bread," yeah. right? Being concerned about the most basic, fundamental needs that our neighbors have, mm. um, forgive us of our sin or our debts in this text. And and it's interesting that in the in the model prayer, this is the the, the place where Jesus says something about us mm-hmm. as we forgive, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, as we forgive, and um, we as disciples of Jesus who have been forgiven are certainly called to be people who forgive others. Mm. And so uh, seeing the, 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 the letting go of these debts and, um, and being people of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. 
and and then and how healthy that is amongst the community. Mm-hmm. That uh, Jesus has a lot to say about relational reconciliation, mm. and that his community of disciples are not to be ones who carry grudges or bitterness or hold things over one another's head, mm-hmm. but we're to be this reconciled people who have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ yeah. and with one another, right? Mm-hmm. So this is all neighborly love mm-hmm. for you know our, our bread and our forgiveness and then uh, being led in a, away from what's tempting mm-hmm. and rather into what's holy and yeah. being delivered from evil. Yeah. I mean, this is all love for God and love for neighbor. And once again, this is what Jesus would say is the best way to live. Mm-hmm. And so the way we pray then is to, is to reflect that yeah. and to do it in this way that, once again, is, is very community-driven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've always looked at, at it, um, uh, the Great Commandment and the Lord's Prayer, as uh, the vertical relationship with, with God first and then the horizontal relationship with others. And I, I think sometimes we get so focused on... Um, me and Jesus that we don't focus on others when uh, whenever you look at the Lord's Supper or the Lord's uh, prayer um, the uh, great commandment it's it's it, it has both planes yeah. and both of them in fact the the relation our relationship with the Lord directly affects our relationship with other people yeah um, and if we're neglecting one um, then we don't have the full picture there um, but I wanted to dive in a little bit because it's not just prayer that individualism affects. Sure, it, it, it's all the spiritual disciplines. It's it's the way that we live our life. What does it look like? I think for the everyday follower of Jesus, what does it look like when we allow individualism to dominate um, the way that we um, live life and the way that we follow Jesus? Yeah, uh, we can start in the church, which is where I'd like to start. Yeah, you know. Um, because I think it's really easy to talk about how we let individual individualism dominate the the way I spend my money and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's yeah. in there. It's, it's certainly in there. But in the church itself, uh, I think it's individualism comes out when we want the church to look the way we want it to look. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we come to yeah. the gathering and we want to sing the songs that we want to sing, mm-hmm. or hear the preacher preach the way we want him to preach, or whatever it is. Right. And um, we come with these like. It's really what I want, mm-hmm. and um, I it, Eagles Landing is the the third church that I've been a part of mm-hmm. where I, I have overseen church membership, mm-hmm. and um, I don't see it, I don't see it a lot. To be fair, I don't want to be hypercritical, mm-hmm. uh, but certainly in the, the eight plus years I've done this, I have seen and experienced what um, people call church hopping. You mm-hmm. know, this yeah. kind of modern phenomenon right. of um, people who, who just kind of leave the church because, hey, I, I'm not getting what I want. Mm-hmm. They're, not doing the, they're not doing it the way I think they should do it, mm-hmm. and I'm going to get it somewhere else. Yeah. And um, I do think that there are biblical reasons to leave a church, uh, the fundamental one being that the gospel itself is being uh, distorted or mm-hmm. thrown to the side. Right, yeah. or, you know, mm-hmm. the, like yeah. if, you, if the gospel is not being preached, you like, find another church. Right, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think individualism has made church hopping a little too easy. Mm. And we don't think about how it hurts the church, mm. right? I'm so concerned that I'm not getting what I want mm-hmm. that I'm not realizing how my departure negatively harms the, the family that, that's there. Yeah. 
and um and that's 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 a, if you know it's a little bit selfish mm-hmm. if we're honest about yeah. it and i know that's that's kind of hard to hear sometimes but mm-hmm. um when we make it all about me and what I want, then um, it can hurt the ones around us. Yeah, and you think about what's at stake. You know, the 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 goal of the the church is the glory of the Lord. Mm. And if I remove myself from the fellowship when it gets hard, um, or when I have to forgive, um, or and I don't want to, or I get hurt, or for whatever reason, um, like you said, there are reasons. Um, but we leave because it's easy to leave. We have a plethora of different options of churches now in America that we can go to that fits our liking. Um, but when we leave that, um, we don't allow the gospel to be put on display in those relationships. Right. Um, and 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 in some ways, um, you know, the, God's going to get glorified. I'm not not saying we can, but we can um, not contribute to that if yeah. that makes sense, in the local body of the church. Um, if we're not allowing, um, when we're hurt, um, reconciliation to take place, um, yeah. we just leave or we run um, to find um, what we want somewhere else. The, the point is that it's so uh, me-centered that I'm making decisions on church based on me, not based on the, the fellowship of the church. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think it's important for us today to, to realize in the local church, uh, we have unity in the things of Jesus, right? And unity in the gospel. Mm-hmm. But we need our differences. Mm-hmm. Um, I need people in our congregation that perhaps don't think like I do mm-hmm. or listen to the same music that I do. Right. Um, because it's in those differences and a lot of times it's in some of those ten- those tensions yeah. that the Spirit does some of His best work. Yeah. Um, you think about the fruit of the Spirit, mm-hmm. and one of them being patience, right? Mm-hmm. I need some people in my life that um, help me grow in patience, yeah. right? I don't need some. I don't need a church full of people who all think the way I do. Right. Uh, I need I need people who are in different walks with Jesus and in different. Um, different walks of life, mm-hmm. right? But we're all doing it together. And, and, and I'd say, I would say that one of the greatest um, witnesses of the gospel is a group of people who, when the world looks at them, they go, why in the world are all those people together? Yeah. They're of different ages and different backgrounds and different perhaps political parties and perhaps different th- this and that. Mm-hmm. How are they all getting along? Yeah. And we say, hey, yeah, it's not those things that unite us. Hmm. We are united through the love and the grace of Jesus. Right. And to a watching world, man, that's bizarre. Yep. You know? mm-hmm. um, so to, to, when, we, when we start to put individualism in, in the church and to say, I really want everything to be the way I want it, and if it's not the way I want it, then I'm going to go somewhere else. I yep. mean, it's just setting up for the same thing to happen in the next spot. Hmm. And so... Uh, making sure that we are a committed mm-hmm. group of Jesus' disciples together in the local church is important for our sanctification and our pursuit of holiness. Yeah, think about marriage, how this is so related to this idea of marriage. If I make my marriage about me, it's going to be a hard road. Uh, our, my marriage to my wife is about us. It's about us becoming one flesh. And you know, when we get married, 
Um, I'm bringing baggage. I'm bringing my background. I'm bringing my experience, and and she's bringing that as well. And we're going to encounter differences. We're going to encounter tension. We're going to have hardships, and we have to work through those. We have to display forgiveness. We have to um, uh, display patience. We have to display those fruits of the Spirit. But in doing so, we become more like Jesus. Uh, and I think about the Christian community is, is very much the same way. When you get a bunch of people from different backgrounds um, bringing their baggage and their sin and putting that on display for one another, we are going to have to learn how to display the gospel um, to one another and live it out if this thing called the church is going to work. Uh, we're going to have to extend grace. We're going to have to extend forgiveness. Um, we're going to have to get good at, at, at showing uh, the patience of Jesus with one another in relationship. I think about Ephesians chapter 4 when Paul says, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, and with diligence to preserve the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Like the Spirit is what unifies us. It's not our preferences. It's not the things that we think define us or the world says defines us. Or um, It's the Spirit of God in us that unites us. And so because of that, we're able then to display the gospel to one another and to live out the gospel. Um, just like I would have to live out the gospel in my marriage, uh, I can live out the gospel in community with other believers. I also think about this whole time I've been thinking about uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, Life Together, which is uh, on this topic of Christian community. Uh, I encourage you to read it if you haven't. But he says this. He says, Those who love their dream of a Christian community more than they love the Christian community itself become destroyer, destroyers of that. This whole time I've been thinking about Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book called Life Together. It's about this idea of Christian community. Uh, so I totally encourage you to read it if you haven't. It's very short, but it's very dense. He says, Those who love their dream of a Christian community more than they love the Christian community itself become destroyers of that Christian community, even though their personal intentions may be ever so honest, earnest, and sacrificial. Uh, we can't fall in love with our, our dream of marriage um, because when we encounter something that doesn't fit that dream, we're going to be let down. Um, we've got to allow God to determine what this Christian community looks like, and, and, and that's a people who put the gospel on display despite their differences and, and bring glory um, to our Father in heaven. So, Matt, what are some next steps for the follower of Jesus in our church uh, to be aware of the individualism that's in us and around us and to live towards this idea of biblical community. Yeah. Um, I, would, I would say just a simple thing is just commit to the local church. Um, that might sound so uh, small, but it's not. Um, find a local church and commit to it, right? Um, go all in. And uh, commit your lives to one another, right? Um, particularly, once again, in, in a time where it, it does seem to be easier for people to move around, or also in a time where you see more and more people saying, um, I really don't need the church. 
to be a follower of Jesus. Yeah. Um, no, uh, the, the Bible has a lot to say about one another's. Yeah. And it's hard to one another by yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. So uh, we, we mm-hmm. need one another. Yep. Um, Jesus loves the church. And I would say one of, the, one of the healthiest things we can do to combat this individualism from our culture is just be a committed part of a local church. Mm. Um, to say, I am uh, with you, locking arms together with people who might look different and smell different and think mm. different, like that's okay. Yep. Like lock arms together and say, I'm committing myself to you mm. and to follow Jesus with you. Yeah. And uh, through thick and thin, mm-hmm. right? We're not going to give up on one another. Like families don't mm-hmm. give up yeah. on one another. Uh, families are going to run into tricky times. There's going to be some hard things. There might be some ugly moments. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's something beautiful about saying, hey, even in those ugly moments, even when we disagree or perhaps uh, I hurt your feelings or you hurt my feelings, whatever it is, I'm not going to run. Mm. Uh, I'm committed because we're doing this t- life together. We're following the king together, and he mm. is working in our midst to make us more like him. Mm. I think uh, church membership is important, mm. and um, being a committed part of a local body Mm-hmm. is and then participating you know it's 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 one thing to be a member it's another thing to participate mm-hmm. uh, be a part of a life group and and, and do it you know yeah. uh, when they meet meet you know mm-hmm. show up yeah. uh, participate in the discussions yeah. um, live life together yeah. uh, you know what are things that we can do I, I'd say this when when we when you're in the worship gathering sing mm. <laughs> you know yeah. mm-hmm. like sing and let the people next to you hear you singing. Mm. Not because you're trying to show off your voice, or not because you're trying to, you know, um, make myself sound great, but because I want them to hear me singing because we're in it together. Mm. There's nothing for me personally, particularly when it comes to music, Mm -hmm. there's nothing I enjoy more than hearing the people next to me in the congregation sing Mm -hmm. when we're singing. Right. Right, so like, do it, participate yeah. in it, lift your voice together, yeah. and uh, and participate in those little moments in the life of the church. Yeah, man, um, there's nothing that that I mean, I know it's simple, but I don't think there's anything better mm-hmm. for for growing in the life of the family of Jesus' yeah. people than being a committed part of the local church. Absolutely, and you said this um, already, but I think about uh, engaging in the spiritual disciplines together. Yeah. So in reading Bible reading, reading that together, think about how dangerous it is when um, I am the sole interpreter of what Scripture says, yeah. you know, or um, what I think the Spirit is is telling me or leading me to do. Like um, we become that. That's a really dangerous place. Yeah, it um, is. And and uh, I think we've already mentioned praying together. Um, you can't confess and repent um, in isolation. Yeah. Um, you're either doing that, <laughs> yeah. you know, vertically in our relationship with God or um, uh, horizontally in our relationship with other people. You can't forgive someone in isolation. Yeah. Um, it's the, the family of God, the, the way of Jesus, as we've been talking about, is meant to happen in community. So any closing thoughts? Well, I'd say, too, um, just something really, these are just really simple ideas. But hopefully, uh, anybody listening to this who's a, is a follower of Jesus, 
mm-hmm. has a prayer life. Like you're praying some in some manner, day by day, you're praying. Yep. Um, maybe do an assessment and see if you're utilizing plural pronouns. Mm-hmm. And that might sound so small, mm-hmm. and uh, but it's, it, it's something very simple to begin to engage my mind in, in your mind uh, with the community. Mm-hmm. So as I said earlier, there's nothing wrong with praying for yourself. I encourage that. Mm-hmm. But assess your prayer life. Am I taking time when I'm praying to also say, uh, Father, help our church, mm-hmm. help us um, grow yeah. in holiness? I, I, I close with this, like, how healthy is it? Like, how great is it to know that I'm not the only person concerned about my spiritual formation? Mm, yeah. Right? Because mm. when, when I'm the only one who's concerned about my formation, it feels very weighty. Yeah. <laughs> you mm. know, I'm, I'm doing this all by myself. Yep. But when I have the, uh, the privilege of knowing that there are other people who are equally concerned about my spiritual formation and that I am as equally concerned about theirs, it begins to make sanctification once again more of this group thing. Mm. And it's liberating in that regard to know that I'm not following him alone. I'm following him together. So finding ways just in our simple prayer lives to to make sure we're praying for us. Mm -hmm. We're praying for our we're praying to our Father. Yeah. And we're praying for the sanctification of his church. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome, man. Thank you for having this conversation um, with me today. It's been um, encouraging and sanctifying for me Right on. as we are sitting here <laughs> in community at the church. Matt, I'm thankful for you. I can't wait to continue our conversation on countercultural formation, learning to fully follow Jesus. Eagles Landing, until next time, you are sent. You are sent.